hope. Gotta give him hope. Tear down walls of ignorance and narrow-mindedness, for nothing has to stay as it is. We live in an interdependent world, which is bound together to a common justice. And I know in my heart that man is good, that what is right will always eventually triumph. When will we, as world leaders across the world, address the pressing issues that are truly causing our people angst and worry? Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to A Political Hope, the podcast exploring how to get the courageous, ethical and trusted leaders we need for the 21st century. I'm Rebecca or Beck Eisen, Communications Manager at A Political Foundation. We've got something special for you today, an interview with former Finnish Prime Minister and A Political Foundation Global Advisor, Alexander Stubb. Mr. Stubb was kind enough to talk to us for our weekly written A Political Path interview, which you can get in our weekly briefing. The link to that is in the show notes, by the way. We thought it would be great to bring a longer version of that conversation to our podcast listeners. I won the race, became prime minister, and I'm not sure I was mentally prepared for that job. With hindsight, I wish I had prepared better for national politics. Mr. Stubb describes himself as an accidental prime minister. He only joined a political party for the first time in his 30s after getting a PhD in international politics. He served in European Parliament, then as Finland's Minister for Foreign Affairs and Minister for European Affairs, before becoming Prime Minister in 2014. In this interview, he tells my colleague Jo Lee Dowd why his entry into politics came as a surprise to those close to him and why it's important we find a way to be kinder to politicians. A big thanks to Mr. Stubb for giving us his time. I hope you enjoy this special bonus A Political Path interview. We just thought we'd start by asking you to describe your political path, your political journey in your own words. Yeah, well, I mean, if you were to ask my childhood friends, you know, who is going to become the prime minister of Finland and become a politician, I would have probably been the last person that they would have named. I came from a very apolitical family. <laughs> kind of the running joke was to say that never talk about politics or religion. So... I guess I didn't become a priest, but at the end of the day, I did become a politician. And my turnover, or I guess, wake up happened in the United States. I went there to study on a little golf scholarship, out of all things. I was in the Finnish national team in golf and thought that I want to become a golf professional and study business. And as things turned out, I had no chance of becoming a golf professional. And then business studies wasn't of interest. So I went into political science and international relations. And originally, I just wanted to become an academic, really. And then once the theory side was interesting, I felt that, okay, let's go to the practice side. So I was a civil servant. And in 2004, I took the big leap to politics. And I only joined a party at the age of 36 and ran for the European Parliament elections and didn't look back since. And now I've gone full circle, back in the academic world and loving every moment of it. (laughs) Excellent. Full circle seems to work out for people more often than not. And next, I wanted to ask, what would you say over the course of your political path are the most important lessons that you learn along the way as a politician in office and entering office and staying in office? Well, I guess the starting point is to be yourself. And I think that's one of the big problems that we have in today's democratic politics, especially. I mean, on one hand, if you are yourself and open, people appreciate that. But on the other hand, then you get criticized quite heavily. So I think I'd still, if I do it all over again, I'd take the same tack. Just, you know, be your open, slightly wacky 
self or if you're not wacky don't be wacky the second one is to always remember that in the public eye or with media you will never win which basically means that you have to be humble to a certain extent so even though you sometimes feel that you know you're being harshly treated or unfairly unjustly treated there's no point in starting to criticize the media or anyone else you just look at yourself in the mirror and see what you could do better and then the third and final lesson i think is just to move on you know when the shit hits the fan you realize you're in trouble there might be a scandal or you know some kind of a tough debate just you know count your losses and move on don't get begrudged and you just can't look into the past you can get a couple of lessons on the way but just don't look back and think that oh well i done things differently or so on and so forth just look ahead those would be my three pieces of advice could you describe a situation when you were in office where you might have felt unprepared for office and for the job that you were in yeah i mean i think it's kind of an easy question for me to answer because i always felt that i was very much into foreign policy and european politics so i felt very prepared when i became a member of the european parliament probably more qualified than most because you know i had my phd in international relations i had always been working on european treaties same thing when i became foreign minister in 2008 you know foreign policy was my thing same thing in 2011 when i became trade minister so you know it, it took a few months to kind of you know get the portfolio under control and because perhaps my background and language skills etc etc it was easy to deal with. Now when did I feel unprepared when I became prime minister because I to a certain extent to be very honest I think I became prime minister a little bit by accident which is quite unusual I was never planning to run for party chairman or or become prime minister my big plan in the you know scheme of things was to move from trade and europe minister to become european commissioner but then our prime minister at the time Jyrki Katainen who was my party chairman decided to become commissioner and that sort of went out of the window and then for about a week after original hesitation i took the decision of well you know why the hell not run for party chairman and i did that and i think against all odds certainly against the sort of general expectations from the party and from the finnish media i won the race became prime minister and i'm not sure i was mentally prepared for that job you know i had been in government for 6 years but it's still so different because overnight you basically go from you know being a little bit the darling of the country representing abroad to being the punching bag of the country so with hindsight i wish i had prepared better for national politics but national politics was never my thing and that's probably why my stint in being prime minister and finance minister only lasted 2 years but do i have any regrets well absolutely none i still took my party to second position in the elections and we continued in government and then i just lost the leadership challenge but unprepared mm-hmm. for becoming a prime minister i'm very open about it what are the top 3 things you think could be done to get courageous ethical and trusted politicians into office more of them into office perhaps in europe or or in finland more specifically if you like well to be very frank with you i think the first one is to understand that with free speech comes responsibility and by that i mean to say that if in the future we want to have politicians with at least moderate cognitive capacity a good education and thoughtful ethical people perhaps we should look a little bit at how hard we bash politicians because you know if you're a youngster and you look at the way in which top politicians in this world are being treated rightly or wrongly the alternative cost is too high second i think 
if we find a sort of a balance between, you know, how much do you bash, how much do you discuss? The second thing I would say is to have slightly longer political cycles. I'm talking about democracies here, which basically means that, you know, allow the politicians to get a chance because now we're, you know, you look at the UK, which of course has been in a complete mess since Brexit. So we've had, since Brexit, we've had Cameron, we've had Theresa May, we've had Boris Johnson, and now we have Liz Truss. And, you know, that's like Italian politics post-World War II. You get like a prime minister a year, and then there's just a tremendous turnover. And the fear that I have here is that if democracy becomes this sort of now this type of a thing, then I think we're going to be in trouble and, you know, autocracies start ruling the world. And, you know, there's been this language already for a long time. Look at China, how stable and how good. Of course, I disagree with that approach. My final point is to say that, you know, start thinking about democratic politics in the following way. There's a wonderful book by Daniel Kahneman called Thinking Slow, Thinking Fast. He has a concept of a system one brain and system two brain. System one is the quick, emotional, reactive system two brain is the slow, contemplating and compromise seeking. Democracy was created for system two. It was supposed to be slow and messy and cumbersome. But we live in a system one world. So please, let's try to see how we can start creating digital democracies rather than, you know, moving towards digital dictatorships. So have a little bit of mercy on those people who give it a try. The alternative costs for going to politics simply are too high at the moment. Yeah, I was wondering if there are any other key ideas or people could be in or could be outside of politics who are inspiring you at the moment. Oh, there are always a lot. I'm actually very much into podcasts at the moment. But if you put those aside, so that the Economist podcasts or Financial Times, the people that I like to read about or their writings, one of them is Fareed Zakaria. I think he's always very insightful, of course, and you know, international globalists like myself. I think Yuval Harari has had a lot of the good big ideas. You don't have to agree with everything that he says. I've always liked, you know, Francis Fukuyama. I'm a sucker for Steve Pinker. So this just probably shows you that I'm an eternal optimist in my reading. I don't believe in this sort of pessimistic worldview whereby, you know, you think that everything is always going to go down the downdrops. In, in Finnish, there's this really stupid saying, which is, a pessimist will never be disappointed. Well, yeah, right. But a pessimist will never change the world either. And I think that, you know, despite, and I always say this, that, you know, we human beings have a tendency to do three things. We over-rationalize the past, we over-dramatize the present, and when we do that, we underestimate the future. So instead of always looking at examples from the past and over-dramatize what's going on, Try to think about what's around the corner. And, you know, if you really want to have an impact on the future, well, then invent it yourself. Don't look in the back and don't sort of complain about what's going on. So that's why I belong to the optimist camp and usually give reading recommendations on optimists. Wonderful. We're big fans of that, a political foundation, for sure. <laughs> optimistic shouts for reading and listening. And perhaps continuing on the optimistic wave, what story would you like communities to be able to tell about the politicians who serve them? Well, sometimes I wish the story was a little bit more positive. You know, it doesn't have to be praising or anything like that. But a lot of these politicians, you know, they grind through stuff. They spend countless of hours in probably meetings they don't want to be in. You know, they try to get votes by standing out on market squares and you know, doing long evenings, knocking from door to door. And 
the actual reward for that is, you know, not that great. <laughs> so, you know, give them a break. I mean, they, they're trying their best. And also a story of understanding that no matter how much you hate a politician in democratic politics, he or she is a human being with feelings. So, you know, though I believe that you can and should criticize constructively politicians, remember that they have feelings too. You know, remember that when you behave towards someone, think about, for instance, in social media, that you're meeting that person face to face in your own living room. That will probably, you know, give you a little bit more of a civilized behavior. And I'm not saying that you need to do that with everyone, but just, you know, think twice before you start scolding other people. And then perhaps have a story of a person who is trying really to improve the world. Not everyone is perfect, that's for sure. But most of the politicians are actually quite okay. You gave a TED talk about happiness. What role do you think happiness plays in politics, both as a politician and somebody who's impacted by the decisions politicians make and so on? Well, I guess the starting point is to say that I'm probably much more happy outside of politics <laughs> than I was in politics. That's for sure. And, and that probably says that, you know, if you had a choice between freedom and responsibility, the freedom usually wins. But I guess my starting point with happiness is purpose. So you need to have a purpose in life. And it doesn't matter what it is. I mean, it doesn't have to be, you know, in politics. Then you have the sort of personal little glitches and going back to basics, which at least for me have provided a lot of happiness. And in many ways, they're very Aristotelian. So for me, it means that you have a good balance between mind and body. And that means that on the mind side, you have an open and curious mind. You learn things, you accept things, and you also accept that most of the time you're wrong, but when you're wrong, it's not a bad thing. You learn something new. So you listen, you read, you write, you observe. Keep the mind sort of churning. It needs training. And of course, linked to that is, you know, family and friends and that type of purpose. Then the body thing is important as well. I never underestimate this. I'm not saying that you need to do the Lycra stuff that I do. You know, I'm a typical mammal, middle-aged man in Lycra. But I do think that finding a balance between rest, nutrition, and exercise helps you a lot in life. I mean, I like, you know, wine just like the next guy. It's not about that. But just if you want to find that balance between body and mind, personally, from a personal perspective, it's a good balance to find. Are you always going to have a perfect day? Of course not. But I think it's quite good to try to strive towards it. That gives you more happy than unhappy days. And finally, what's giving you political hope at the moment in a climate of a little bit of uncertainty and fear at the moment? Well, the fact that out of disorder usually comes order and the fact that I think freedom always wins over control and the fact that we are actually seeing the last grasps of a imperialistic and revisionist power in the form of Russia and the fact that we are, I guess, unfortunately seeing a divided Europe, but on the other side of the fence, you have 44 more or less democratic European states. So I'm very hopeful that the world will rectify itself in the long run and the world will continue to improve. And that's why I continue to be an eternal optimist. No matter how you count, if you look over the decades, less people are dying of famine, less people are dying of disease, and less people are dying of war than they have been throughout the history of mankind. Technology will help us a lot. It's just a question of how our brains can cope with it all and find order. That was our special bonus episode with former Finnish Prime Minister Alexander Stubb. Thank you for listening and daring to hope. A Political Hope is a podcast from the A Political Foundation. 
We'll be back with more from the changemakers helping politicians to serve people and the planet in the coming weeks. You can help us shift the discussion on what's possible in politics by sharing this episode with your friends and tagging us on social media. You'll find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. It'd also be a huge help if you could rate, review, and follow wherever you get this podcast. Last, but absolutely, definitely not least, we have a really great weekly briefing full of resources, tips, and jobs for people wanting to build better politics. You can subscribe to that in the show notes. It's a great way to join our network and keep up to date with our work. Much love, gratitude, and hope from me and the Apolitical Foundation team. 